Race matters. 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 Before we continue, I'd like to start by acknowledging that we are broadcasting from Gadigal land as we have the privilege to do every single week here on Race Matters. The Gadigal people have been here for over 60,000 years before us and will be here long after us too. I pay my respects to elders past and present. And I'd also like to acknowledge the significance of Redfern, a place of strength, resistance, knowledge sharing and storytelling for many communities and the birthplace of black theatre in this country. I'd like to honour that history. This land was stolen. It is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. My name is Tanya Ali, and you're tuned in to Race Matters on FBI Radio 94.5. This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. Coming up on the show today, we're going to be joined by Lena Nalus, the Executive Director of Diversity Arts Australia. If you haven't heard of Diversity Arts Australia, it's an organisation that aims to be a national voice for cultural diversity in the arts, cultural and creative industries. They've just actually published this new report, uh, in fact, the first ever report about cultural diversity in leadership within the arts, screen and creative sectors in Australia. And Lena's going to be joining me to dive right into it and tell Tell us what needs to change when it comes to representation across all facets of the arts industry. So that's coming up for you. We're going to take a track first. This one comes from JSOM. It's called Nighttime Drive. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5. It's Race Matters.
Jason with Nighttime Drive on FBI Radio 94.5. This is Race Matters. My name is Tanya Ali. And right now I'm joined by Lena Nalus, Executive Director of Diversity Arts Australia. Uh, Lena, welcome to Race Matters. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Tanya. Uh, to start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so about myself in terms of diversity arts or just about myself? Just about yourself. Um, okay. Well, in terms of this program and this space, um, I guess race matters a lot to me. Um, and I started um, kind of becoming, I guess, politically active when I was um, quite young and, uh, you know, particularly because of the amount of anti-Arab racism that I experienced kind of growing up in the West. And, um and, and it really politicised me and gave me that kind of awareness and I guess an almost like desire to want to make change happen. Um, and so when I was <laughs> younger, was really involved in a lot of anti-racism work and, um, and that kind of thing. In other work, I'm also a workaholic mother who's working hard at being a more present parent and um, uh, like I just want to say that I have more hobbies and sometimes I have to lie. I do love reading. I love books. But um, but often I do have to lie about having hobbies on those forms that you fill in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know the feeling. So, I mean, that's just a bit about my background because I think that that kind of work that I did then led me to do a lot of community and cultural development work in Western Sydney and kind of work with my own community, the Arab communities, and and then kind of work in, in other spaces and somehow has led me to this space at Diversity Arts. Absolutely. So for those who don't know, what is Diversity Arts Australia? So Diversity Arts Australia... Or Darts for short is a very, um, very uh, determined, very small, agile organisation. We are the, uh, you know, kind of peak national organisation advocating for more cultural and linguistic diversity or in plain speak, more kind of non-white um migrant representation across all areas of the arts and screen and creative sectors in Australia. And the way that we do that is through research, is through um, specific and targeted projects. Um, we we do a lot of training and uh, work with organisations to build their capacity because it's not about learning white racist structures all the time. It's often about, you know, the structures needing to change and needing to know how to work with um, people who are not from the communities that they were set up, they were set up for a lot of the time. Um, yeah, did I miss anything? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into it uh, throughout this chat. Um, I wanted to ask what role you see organisations like Diversity Arts Australia playing today in the Australian arts landscape. Okay, that's a really big question. Well, I think where it's really important that organisations like Diversity Arts exist because we are, because what we're hearing again and again from artists, and I know as someone who kind of gave up my, my practice many years ago to kind of do this work, is, you know, I want to do my, I want to make art. I don't want to have to spend all this time advocating, but every time I'm going into this space as a performer, suddenly I need to educate everybody about you know, kind of the cultural nuances of this culture or, you know, and I don't want to have to do that all the time or I have to kind of rage against the machine literally because of the um, the racism I'm experiencing. or And so it's really important that we kind of exist, that we can support those artists and that we can also connect those artists in ways and, um, and advocate, you know, with them 
and support and support them and those voices. Uh, so I think reports like the one that you're going to get me to talk about are a really good example. We just kept getting told, like even when I was pitching, when I first started at Darts in 2016, I think, you know, I kept pitching to do, um, you know, to do these uh sessions at conferences and people would say, you can't prove that there's a lack of, you know, culturally diverse representation. You just can't prove that. And you'd be like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, look around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and I think that, you know, those frustrations, like we got so many emails from artists and um, creative workers of colour who kind of said, thank you. Thank you so much. Because People can't keep saying, well, you can't prove that. That's all in your head or you're imagining that. Or aren't you just being a little bit sensitive, you know? And, oh, it's just going to take time to change, you know? Yeah. Um, you just need more time. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Or the merit argument, which we hear so much in those conversations too. Yeah, the work that you do is so, so important. Um, I, I am one of those uh, preaching <laughs> about the work of darts. So you started at darts back in 2016 and obviously as you mentioned you kind of had a background in anti-racist work do you feel like working at darts or in this kind of side of the i guess fight for diversity uh has changed the way that you see what we're up against yeah i think so like it's been a challenge because I'm used to working in more grassroots ways and most of my work was in Western Sydney working with communities in, in more grassroots ways. Um, and this is this is kind of seeing things nationally and, um, and seeing, you know, like it's not that we didn't see, we weren't aware of the national picture, but you kind of get a better understanding. And I feel like there's kind of more challenges in this kind of role. I don't know if I'm answering your question, but the interesting thing with these kinds of with, with organisations that are set up to advocate and lobby is they kind of want you to, I don't know, advocate and lobby like your government or like your business. And so we're also kind of like really challenging that and saying, well, no, we're, we're an arts org and a screen, you know, we, we represent the arts and the screen sectors. So why would we try and replicate, a, a, I don't know, like those models when we have an amazing, you know, um, kind of people to draw from who can kind of inform the way we should be changing narratives or, or um, you know, doing doing things differently. So we've been commissioning artists to create short films um, or um, short stories. We're doing an anthology at the moment um, with Sweatshop. And, you know, we've been doing a range of, of things where we're placing the artist as the advocate and asking them to um, set the agenda and kind of to, to lead the conversations. That's Lena Nalus, Executive Director of Diversity Arts Australia. You're listening to Race Matters, and after this next track, we're going to be unpacking that recent report into cultural diversity in the arts sector that Lena mentioned. That's coming up straight after this one from Stevie Jean and Tasman Keith. This comes with a language warning. It's called Evenings. You're on FBI Radio 94.5.
memory, every nap on my relapse. How can I relax when you're never in the sheet? You got a man, but the men ain't never meet. Shit, had to let it breathe. Paranoia evident, hard up on the sleeve. Paranoia never get the loving that you need. So I know you ring me up whenever you get the release. Waking up, feeling on your tight grip. I pick every bad choice whenever I get opportunity. Losing me in the night since night six. Fuck it, let me get behind it. Push it all to the side. Such a good track on FBI Radio 94.5. You're listening to Race Matters. That was Evenings by Tasman Keith and Stevie Jean. We're joined in the studio now by Executive Director of Diversity Arts Australia, Lena Nalus. Lena, you just told me off air that you have a pretty incredible connection to Tasman Keith in a way. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Uh, back in 2001, um, when I was at Information and Cultural Exchange, I took his father, YRMC and Maya Jupiter and also MC Trey on an exchange program to the UK, a hip hop exchange and to Japan. And, um, and it helped us basically set up what, what, um, kind of hip hop programs in at ICE and also the Switch Center, but also they toured and, you know, kind of performed and connected with other mostly Afro-Caribbean and um, South Asian artists. 
So amazing. And yeah, it was a complete coincidence that I played that track. So I'm so <laughs> glad that there was that connection. Uh, Lena, last month, Diversity Arts Australia published a pretty significant report called Shifting the Balance. Um, I'd like to start by kind of talking about what was going on in the lead up to this report. Why did it feel so necessary? Um, I guess because, like I said, earlier, people kept saying, you can't prove that, you don't have the evidence. So we knew that we needed to have baseline data. And, you know, our cynical selves, you and I, Tanya, will say, well, we just look around the room, you know, can't you see? But then I also, we also know that this is the way that change can happen in terms of government. So, you know, they need that, that data in order to kind of change policy direction and um, implement stuff. And I know since we've put out this hard data, people have been taking notice of it and have been responding to it. So we felt like we needed that. And we had a really modest amount. We were really grateful for it. It was the um, uh, UNESCO, the Australian Commission for UNESCO that gave us a funding. And it was a really modest amount of funding. And we needed to focus on, like, ideally, we wanted to focus across all areas, not just leadership. But we thought, it's really important that we start with leadership because, you know, um, that's where decisions get made. <laughs> you know, that's where people are setting agendas, setting programs, deciding on what works get up or don't get up, who gets employed, who doesn't get employed. It goes on and on. So we felt leadership was a really important place to start. Absolutely. So the subtitle of the report is Cultural Diversity in Leadership Within the Australian Arts, Screen and Creative Sectors. What were the main findings of the report? We found that um, more than half of all major cultural organisations in Australia had, at, out of we, we looked at 200 organisations, nearly 2,000 um, individuals in leadership roles at the board level, um, at the executive level and management level and also judges, like awards judges. And so that's nearly 2,000 people and we found that more than half of um, cultural organisations had absolutely no um, culturally and linguistically diverse representation at any of those levels um, and that only 9% of nearly 2,000 leaders were from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds or non-Anglo or non-white migrant backgrounds, non-Caucasian or how, whatever language you want to use. <laughs> I'm still grappling with the language. Mm, there's a lot of different language, yeah. <laughs> um, and that pretty much that, you know, non-Anglo migrant Australians were underrepresented at the leadership level at every cultural or art form area in Australia. That is literature and publishing, visual arts, craft, screen and radio, multi-art form, music, opera, museums, heritage, performing arts, like at every level, um, non-Anglo migrant people are underrepresented. It's it's a pretty damning report. And I guess it, again, is something that people like you and I might have felt who are working in these sectors. But to have it all on paper like that is really powerful. So Shifting the Balance was Australia's first ever research me measuring the representation of culturally and like linguistically diverse leadership in major Australian arts and creative organisations. Why has it taken so long, do you think? Um, <laughs> that's such a hard question. I'm not sure why it's taken so long. It shouldn't have taken so long. And we need more of this research. Like we know that this is just a little bit of this research. We would we would like to work in partnership with other areas of um, access and um, equity to, you know, you know, other social movements to kind of expand this beyond just cultural and linguistic diversity. 
Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess um, it's really hard. Apparently, there's a lot of pol- there's a lot of politics involved in doing this work. So, you know, one of the things that we've we've spoken about is the fact that there were some people in powerful places that didn't want us to do this research, and we actually got quite a bit of pressure. But we also got pressure. We, we, we got a lot of support from the sector. More than 40% of organisations returned their data and said, yep, no, whatever, you know, and we are so grateful for them and, and for for them, you know, even when they didn't have that diversity kind of going, yep, I'm, I'm up for this. I, I'm, you know, I want to kind of look at, our, look at how we can do better. So we did have an overwhelming amount of support, but we also had a lot of resistance and... I do think with these things, there's a lot of resistance and there's something really weird when it comes to asking or talking about the W word, the white word, people cannot handle it in Australia. Mm. Like I was just in the UK and they actually say white, like it's on forms. But in Australia, if you call someone white or you say that they're Anglo, like they're actually really offended. Whereas we're constantly categorised, like, where are you from? Oh, I love your name. Oh, you know, what it, <laughs> like, um, I, I love to bully. Anyway, so, you know, you just kind of like, that was one of the things. So we we get, we got some I think in Australia, like, we need to talk a lot more about race and that's what you're doing. But it was almost like we, we got some really heartfelt um, correspondence as well, which I'm really respectful of, of people who felt quite affronted by the fact that we were actually asking these questions and asking people to identify their um, ethno-cultural identity, as if that's not something people like you and me have had to do pretty much our entire <laughs> lives. Exactly. But it's a shock to mm. a lot of people and... They, it's, I, I don't look. I don't know if I'm answering that very well. I no, don't, I, I don't think, know why it's taken so long. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was, it was an open-ended <laughs> was question, it? but okay, maybe um, rhetorical question. <laughs> uh, in a way. <laughs> so I guess uh, we're we're coming up to the end of the show. Where to from here? How can organisations change these statistics, and what can we do to kind of convince them that they should? I I think that where to from here is for us a commitment to kind of taking the recommendations that we've made in the report off the page and actually partnering with organisations and government to make them a reality. We've we've been arguing for um, the need for there to be uh, minimum um, diversity standards in Australia with funding bodies. And also um, we, you know, we're, we're a big fan of, of quotas and you know, basically tying funding to diversity outcomes that if you're not, and not just cultural and linguistic diversity, like First Nations diversity, um, uh, disability, uh, you know, um, LGBTIQ, like there's across. Um, so we, we kind of feel like why are people, why are organisations getting funding if they're only representing often a really small amount of the population in the community? There needs to be that kind of pressure and that government that kind of leadership from from the agencies not just government but the philanthropic agencies as well who are funding the arts and screen sectors um, and there needs to be kind of legislation around it as well um, we want organizations to think about how there's a little tool that we've put up on our website that we've developed um, which is an a, like a little audit it's a mini audit and um, 
checklist, we've called it, because we didn't want to scare people. We've got a longer version that is an audit where they can actually do that um, with their organisation and look at all the areas of their organisation and kind of, it's like a little survey that they can take and look at, you know, who's employed and, you know, what their content's like and who's making their decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And to kind of use that as a way to reflect on their organisation and see the areas that they need to kind of make change in or do more training in or, you know, yeah. So we, we've been running a program in Victoria called Fair Play and that is very much focused on working with organisations to um, support them to change the way that they work so they can be more inclusive. And that's a partnership project with other, with um, Koori and, um, and disability organisations as well. So we're looking across three areas. Awesome. We will pop a link up to that checklist uh, on the Race Matters page. It's fbiradio.com forward slash race matters. Lena, there's one question that we ask all of our guests who come on to Race Matters. So uh, that is going to be our final question. When did you realise that your race made you powerful? Oh, um, wow. Wow. Um, I guess I've done a lot of work with um, the Australian Arab community over the years and, um, and a lot of like a whole range of different work from, um, you know, um, yeah. So, so I guess being with that community and feeling so strong in those spaces. So when we started the Arab film festival, um, you know, seeing all the, all the people there and feeling surrounded by this, kind of um, solidarity and love and energy and feeling so proud of, you know, being connected to this beautiful community, this beautiful, strong, smart, you know, creative community that it's probably a moment for me um, back in 2002. I was one of the people who started the Arab Film Festival. <laughs> so, um, yeah, maybe 2002 because I do remember growing up and honestly... Tanya, I'm ashamed to say this now, but if you asked me where I was from and you were a white person, I would try and avoid it at all costs. <laughs> no, I, I think that's something that's very relatable for a lot of people. Um, but it's kind of exciting that we all go on our journeys to reclaim our, our identity. And that was such a beautiful story. Lena Nullis, thank you so much for joining us on Race Matters. 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 Race matters.